Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Hey there and welcome to episode 53. I'm recording this on Friday the 14th of May, just back from a few days away in Scotland. I'm busy preparing for a UNESCO conference on education for sustainable development, where I'm moderating two panel discussions asking how education can support the circular economy. I'm delighted that I've been able to invite some of the panellists, including Professor Walter Stahl, Esther Goodwin-Brown, who leads the Education and Jobs programmes at Circle Economy, and two previous podcast guests, Steve Haskew from Circular Computing and Brian Bauer from Algramo. In today's podcast episode, I'm talking to Mick Payne, Managing Director of the UK Operations at TechBuyer. Founded back in 2005, TechBuyer has grown from a company run by just two people to a global organisation with multiple operations around the world. TechBuyer has many years of experience in buying used enterprise IT equipment and selling new and certified refurbished IT parts. Every year it configures over 3,000 IT servers and data erases over 10,000 hard drives every month. It's worked with thousands of organisations worldwide and has partnerships with leading manufacturers including HP Enterprise, Dell and Lenovo. Mick Payne believes the company flourishes through its hardworking and determined staff and we talk about tech buyers refurbishment and remanufacturing services, how data is securely removed and tech buyers warranty and support. Mick tells us about tech buyer software allowing customers to compare different servers in terms of performance and power requirements which helps them assess their needs and costs over the product lifecycle. We also find out how things have changed since the COVID-19 pandemic and how Mick sees the refurbished IT market evolving into the future. Let's cut across to my conversation with Mick and I'll catch up with you afterwards. TechBuyer helps businesses maximise their IT budgets by supplying cost-effective new and quality refurbished servers, storage, memory and networking equipment from over 150 brands including HP Enterprise, Dell, IBM and Cisco. Mick Payne joined TechBuyer in 2009 with no IT experience, starting in a warehouse role when the company was a team of just four people. As the business expanded, Mick looked over, looked after the ever-growing operational and purchasing departments. TechBuyer expanded its operations to France, Germany, the USA, Australia and New Zealand. And in 2019, Mick was appointed as Managing Director for the UK business. Mick, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Good morning, Catherine. So it's a nice sunny day here in, in North Yorkshire and you're not all that far from me, about an hour further south, so I'm guessing the sun's shining with you as well. 
yes, all good. It was very nice yesterday as well. The uh, the barbecue was out for the first time this year. Oh yes, we're celebrating the um, uh, the beginning of the end of lockdown, um, <laughs> as, as we hope yes, it is. It, it it was just a family one, but uh, yes, uh, we can you know, hopefully do something over the weekend with a friend or two as well. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. We're looking forward to socialising in gardens. So let let's start with um, a bit of an overview of what Tech Buyer does, um, explaining it from the po- point of view of those of who's, those of us who aren't in IT uh, and are not familiar with refurbishment and remanufacturing. How would you explain it to people? Yeah, sure. So um, predominantly. Uh, and traditionally, the company has bought, refurbished, and then sold second-user enterprise IT equipment. So when I say enterprise IT equipment, I'm talking about servers, storage, and networking equipment, the infrastructure required for businesses. Uh, in the last few years, we've we've um, expanded continually, and we've looked to branch out. We also now uh, buy and sell an awful lot of client equipment which is laptops, desktops, tablets, and the like. And this has predominantly come about through one of the services that we added to our portfolio, which is what we call ITAD, which stands for IT Asset Disposition, which is effectively um, the secure um, sanitization and removal of IT assets from end users. So when you say secure sanitization, I'm guessing that means uh, data removal and so on, so that people can be secure in the knowledge that none of their... Um, passwords, uh, client data, all the stuff that that needs to be protected, they can be secure in the knowledge that that's not going to go with the machines to the next user. Yes, absolutely. So if we're talking about the ITAD function of the business specifically, you know, data is absolutely predominantly the client's number one concern. So the traditional business is quite often purchasing from other traders that have already addressed all of these issues however the itad department is very much focused on providing this service to the clients uh, so it's very heavily data focused we are part of a group called the DESA who provides stringent standards that we all adhere to the gold standard for itad in the uk um, and they update and rewrite their standard every year or two to make sure we comply with everything necessary as guidelines change Mm, yeah, I can understand that. So um, if we're talking about refurbished and remanufactured IT equipment, from the customer's point of view, how does it compare to buying new? And what assurances do they have about quality, durability and things like that? Yeah, so I think there's, there's sort of two parts to this question. It's, first of all, an education to let people know that the, this secondary market even exists because a lot of people just just don't know. Uh, I, I love to compare it to the to, to the car industry. Um, everyone knows that you can buy secondhand cars and you can you know get a nearly new one for a lot lot of money off the the, the price, and that that's almost how it works in in the IT world as well. Um, so education is the first part, and then you know it's trying to find someone that you know will do this to a, to to a high quality. So if we talk about the um, the quality. And the reassurance, you know, one thing we do for end users is we provide a three-year warranty with all of our goods, which is the same as buying new from direct from a vendor. So if you buy a Dell server off us that's three years old, your warranty will be effectively from its third year to its sixth year, um, which is exactly the same as the warranty you will receive with Dell. Um, We can provide on-site support. And as a company that is, you know, has 200 staff, not, 20,000 staff, we like to think we also provide a little bit more of a bespoke customer service. 
Um, you know, it's easy. You know, you, you know, if you if you're buying from us, you 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 get allocated an account manager, so you always have a point of contact to call. Um, there's always someone to help. Mm, that sounds good. Um, I know when I was um, looking at remanufactured um, stuff myself a while ago, um, somebody reminded me that Apple sell um, pre-used stuff on their their website. Um, and so I had a look and I was a bit shocked to find that it was it wasn't much of a discount. It was perhaps 80% of the cost of a new one. And then when I looked at the warranties, yes, it was the same as a new um, Apple. Um, it was a tablet I was looking at, but that was only a year. Um, and so that still felt like a bit of a risk. And I had to had to really dig around um, and couldn't find what generation it was. I think that the, the the tablet I was looking at, that was the, the current one, the new one, was a fourth generation at, by this stage. Um, and in the end, uh, I failed to find any info on what this, this um, uh, pre-used one was and had to email to find out that it was a first generation. So I was buying something that was four generations ago at only a 20% discount. And I was kind of thinking, well, that just doesn't make sense. Perhaps they don't actually want people to, to buy the used one. Well, you could easily come to that conclusion. Uh, I would like to suggest that, you know, in, in nine cases out of ten, you know, you get certainly get a lot better value than what you've just suggested you had an issue with there. Um, there, there are strange instances in, in the second remarket where if there is no availability, things can, you know, older equipment can be just as expensive as new equipment. But however, that is very much the minority. Uh, traditionally speaking, you can have, uh, you know, a three-year-old product that is absolutely perfect. It's just that its standard warranty has, uh, with with the manufacturer, has run out. Um, businesses are used to replenishing their products and you know refreshing their infrastructure every three years because it's just what they've done. It's not because it's broken, um, and so the cycle continues. Mm. Uh, and what you end up with is. You know, nine times out of ten is a much cheaper product, mm. which is absolutely you know perfect for your needs. Yeah, so it's it's cheaper, and um, you've got a you know brilliant warranty and so on standing behind it. How does the performance compare? You know, I guess the perception from people is that um, Moore's law and everything that IT um, processing speeds and, and other performance aspects keep on improving at a pace. So if you were going to be in the market for a two or three year old piece of kit. Are you compromising on performance? Uh, no, and quite interestingly, we actually have a sister company um, now called Interact, which provides software that actually compares different servers and it shows you the power output and the performance. So you can actually weigh up exactly how these things compare from, from a compute perspective and also from if you were talking about large scale of power perspective so we we can compare accurately which is really really useful um going back before before the days of interact however it was, it was more done on a you know a client specific client basis so you can just because you know if we, if we go talk through your needs correctly then we will know exactly what you require and we can advise what, what would be best. It's just that education of which will work better for you. And sometimes it's the mid-range mid -range current generation that is still second user, but it's just the most current generation. That would actually be best because for whatever reason in the markets, that's the best value for you. Or it could be, well, actually the generation before is, is half the price at the moment. 
um, because of the supply and demand. So we would advise you use this. Um, again, both come with the same warranty, so it, it really make, makes no difference here nor there in that respect. But we, we advise either way. So the, the tool allows you to compare things like the processing power and, and so on and whether it's going to meet um, your needs from a uh, uh, storage and, and um, uh, other points of view. But, but also, are you saying, when you say the power, um, do you mean the, the kind of um, processing power of the kit or do you mean the energy usage? So, yeah, it's a, it shows you the compute, so effectively how well it's going to work for your needs but also the the electrical output so if we've considered infrastructure on a grand scale if you wanted to buy a thousand servers the amount of electric to actually use those is hugely significant so if we can find you a solution that uses half the half the power but with the same compute you may not save at the front end on the pro, you know the procurement cost but actually over three years uh, you know the life cycle of the equipment you're going to use or five years or however long you're going to use it you know you could be saving a huge amount of money so it brings all of that together yeah and of course it's not just the savings on the energy bills is it it's the, it's the carbon um, uh, that you're consuming over those three years as well and more yeah, and more companies will be absolutely. really focusing in on um, you know how do we get to, to zero carbon we know we've only got 10 years to to do that um so is, is yeah, that kind 100%. of coming into, into conversations that you're having with customers? Is that starting to come to the fore now? It, I think it has for the last three years, um, you know, really quite significantly. People do genuinely want to, you know, be part of being green now. I think that, you know, the UK has traditionally been behind other countries uh, with recycling and, you know, all this sort of thing. Um, and they probably are still a bit behind other European countries now, or they, they, they certainly are. However. There's definitely been a, you know, I've seen quite a lot of sort of swings in um, mentality in the last twelve years. However, the, you know, the biggest swing I would suggest in the last three years has has been the whole sustainability issue, and it's becoming more and more clear that just mining more and more and more to provide more and more new isn't going to work forever. Yeah, you know, especially as data is becoming data requirement is growing so exponentially, it's you know, something will have to come to a head at some point. And the the reason I talked about the education of the secondary, you know, the secondary market at, at the beginning is because people would be happy to use refurbished goods, you know, with a with a three year warranty. But quite often they just don't know that there's a there's a market that exists in the first place. It's interesting, isn't it, that the um you know it's the marketing power of, of the um uh, the linear economy, if you like, you know, keeping convincing people that they need to need to have the latest and buy new and so on. Um, but we're all starting to realise that um, it, there's a really big footprint behind everything that we're buying, not not just tech, but everything. And people, I think, are starting to get more concerned, not just about the environmental footprint, but about the social aspects. And with tech. Um, you know, there's all sorts of issues around conflict minerals and the working conditions of um, overseas, uh, you know, manufacturers and component assemblers and so on. Um, and so, you know, people are wanting to start taking more care of their upstream supply chain and, and knowing what they're getting and, and where it's from. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the big manufacturer have really got, you know, big decisions to make moving forwards. Um, but then also their model is 
you know, we're we're turning over billions of dollars selling new things to all of a sudden turn around and sell not new things is, is a completely foreign concept and not where the experience is. So yeah, it's very difficult. You know, I think that innovation would have to play a big part in all of this. You know, that there, there are some instances where second user equipment is not an option because the technology has not come down to the second user yet. So um, that is where, you know, new is a requirement you know where new technology is absolutely necessary so um we have a side company that is a you know a small part of the business but still um it's a necessity for some of our customers where we will have vendor partnerships where if absolutely refurbish isn't an option they can still get the new equipment um because ultimately uh you know there are solutions out there that just you know can't be sorted out with a you know with a five-year server or a three-year server yeah and even going back to um you know hesitate to um <laughs> mention apple again in case it sounds like i'm putting them on a pedestal as as uh, leaders in the circular economy um they have got a circular economy um ambition but there's no there's no date on it um but i noticed that they're developing their uh, robots they're called um daisy the robots have started with one i think they've got a dozen or so now and they're working on extracting the most valuable raw materials from end-of-life iPhones to go back into new iPhones and tablets and so on. So even if even if we have to keep making new products because of the technological advances, um, we should at least be recycling the um, you know the precious materials that that go back in. Yeah, the raw the raw material is the is a really big part of the problem. I mean, it just will not. The, the raw material is not exponentially growing like the data requirement is exponentially growing the raw material is just reducing day by day so it's uh it's it's a huge challenge the tech buyer website says you've got over fifty thousand square feet of warehousing um, and over 20 it specialists on the sales team all based in harrogate in the uk and you're configuring over three thousand servers every year a data erasing over ten thousand hard drives every month um, so what kind of operational challenges does that throw up? The two that would uh, jump out me straight away, you know, the first one is always scaling. So, we're, you know, the, the business has been fortunate enough that it's always grown each year that I've been here. So it's not just consolidating on what we know. It's also increasing scale, you know, at each moment. So, for instance, the, the building we're currently in, we've been in four and a half years. Um, we've had to build a full second floor in the warehouse just because of the, you know, the growth. The employees in the UK has gone from 50 to 150 in that time. Uh, we've had to take on a secondary um, facility that's, you know, across the road. Uh, again, and, and these things are just sort of building, we're building and building. So the first operational challenge is to be able to scale, which then involve, also involves, you know, training new staff. Again, we, we like to work it to a really high standard. We you know we talk about we want to give a three-year warranty and you know promote quality in the secondary market. We need people to be bothered to be able to do that. You know we need them to be able to care and make sure things don't slip through the net. So training staff is is difficult, and then the the secondary part of it would be we're dealing with ever-changing technology. So that's you know again adds complexity to what we're doing. 3,000 server builds this year will not be the same as, you know, 2,500 last year or however many it was, you know, so it's, it's always, it's always changing where, you know, we're always looking to scale. Um, 
and what we do isn't isn't easy to to begin with. Uh, you know, we're removing data. Um, you know, we're checking for functionality. We're making sure everything fits client requirements. Um, there's you know many many stages. For instance, you know every server build we have a twenty five point checklist to tick off. So that's on every single server. There's lots of complexity involved, um, and trying to trying to grow whilst you know keeping quality high is is, is always going to be a challenge. Mm. But it's great, I think, that um, a lot of the circular economy jobs, like remanufacturing and refurbishment and so on, do require human intervention. You know, you can automate some of it, but it's great that it's you know it's providing jobs. And um, you've said you believe the company flourishes through its hardworking and determined staff. Uh, and that they're they're delivering a valuable and sustainable offering to all of the tech buyer customers. Do you think that's because you're recruiting um, certain kinds of people, or is it because staff become highly engaged in helping reuse tech products? Um, you know, feeling that that's more purposeful um, and kind of um, you know more rewarding than contributing to the massive problems of e-waste. I would like to say both. You know, we obviously try our, try our very best to recruit well, recruit people that you know just want to do well. Um, do we want to be part of something that you know they want? You know that they can be proud of. You know, so first and foremost, yeah, we, we would like to say we try and do that, but you know, like anyone, we don't get it right every single time. Um, where where I think we do well is you know, we get people involved in things. We, we give everyone their own little piece to work on, to improve. We give a lot of sort of uh, um, automation to them. You know, we promote ideas. We, you know, if you want to change something, please speak up. It doesn't matter what position you're in, you know, bring your ideas to the table. All are appreciated, you know, none are ridiculed. Um, so I think that sort of environment, you know, really helps. Uh, the fact that we can turn around and say, you know, we're not part of the problem, we're part of the solution, you know, it, it is great. I think then within that, you know, we really have to make sure that people do feel, a, you know, a genuine part of it themselves. Mm. Um, and I think that's a, that, that's a re really, really important part for me. Yeah, more and more companies are finding that, aren't they, that, you know, people want to work for a business that's doing the right thing for the world um, and, and that even no matter what job you're doing, um, within the company that you're helping be part of the solution not part of the problem so what about customers does does this kind of circular economy business have different relationships and supports from support from its suppliers and customers good question you know our customer base is incredibly varied uh, you know we deal with uh, end user customers and we deal with trade customers now predominantly we're a trade business it's very interesting to see how different companies of a similar stature have different attitudes towards uh refurb um especially in the infrastructure world um and there's no there's no real distinct pattern you know some companies are very open to change and they're like this sounds great and then some are built upon uh you know enormous amounts of red tape which means that you know whilst you know they're one department wants to change and that's great and that's the other you know ultimately you know it has to go through an awful lot of people and it's a lot it's a lot trickier so um again it boils down for for us to to educate the customer mm. and that might be having to educate five different departments of the same customer if they're big enough but it, it boils down to education and then, and then actually you know delivering on what you're saying and delivering the you know the quality and the value mm. And are you finding that the sustainability teams in, in your customers' businesses, are they starting to get involved now? 
there's certainly more say than there is than there was five years ago. I, I do also believe, and you know, I've seen with my own eyes that a lot of these big big companies, you know, they are looking to genuinely change as well. Uh, it's obviously very very difficult for them because they spent the last you know fifty or however many years you know manufacturing and building new. But I do genuinely see a lot of. Uh, good intentions towards mm. moving towards you know more circular so when something's put in front of them it automatically you know it has more appeal to them mm. yeah I and mean, then if you, if you think about you know you, you gave the example of um the um automotive industry and, and how we buy cars earlier um then that model's been working for generations hasn't it um and it can be a you know a network of of dealers kind of um doing the, the maintenance and the servicing and so on. And for a lot of components, um, there are remanufacturers all supplying, um, you know, the brands like Renault and so on. So there's a kind of, there's a complete ecosystem around keeping the car going beyond its first ownership cycle. It is ex it's exactly the same principle as the secondary IT market. Some people are happy to buy one year old to you know save money and they'll take their two years warranty rather than their three. And then some people don't want a car as soon as it's run out of warranty. They want to you know, move on to the latest and greatest. You know maybe that's you know, for whatever reason. Uh, you know I won't judge. Um, and some people are more than happy to buy a car and say you know this is going to be my ten year car. And I'm going to look after it. And once the you know the warranty is run out, I'm then going to get you know a, a third party warranty, and you know I'll always go to the main dealer to get it serviced. Or you know everyone has their own choices. Um, with that in the IT market, it's really a case of you you have to explain that there's actually a market there. We take it for granted in the car industry. There's a second hand car market. There's third party mechanics. There's third party warranties. There's all of this in IT. It's just people aren't aware. Yeah, and I think that'll evolve across all sorts of sectors. Um, Patagonia did an article um, this week. The first time I've seen them talk about circularity, um, even though they're the most circular economy business I've come across and have been doing it for you know for decades. Um, so now they've actually started talking about circular, and they were seeing they 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 were saying that's the way that um, you know clothing and outdoor equipment should go is the, is the way of the second-hand car market that you know there's a you might buy new or you might buy um, pre-used or pre-loved but the brand should should be standing behind that it shouldn't be a kind of um, you know free-for-all and and take your chances as to whether this when you when you buy this um, you know Patagonia pullover from eBay and it arrives and it's you know it shrunk or something you don't you don't want to be taking that risk um, and I think, you know, that, that kind of movement needs to happen across every sector, doesn't it? And, and if it's worked for so long for cars, why can't it work for lots of other things? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, the IT market has a little bit, especially the infrastructure, market, you know, um, of service storage networking has a little bit of advantage over clothes because uh, we buy a server, then we put it in a room and we don't look at it every every week. And so we don't have to deal with the vanity of the human being. Um, whereas with clothes, I imagine that's a little bit of a, of a larger challenge. Yeah. So, you know, we're fortunate in that respect. We don't actually have to deal with that that side of things. Yeah. Um, Look, you know, it's easy, it's easier to... <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 easier to it's easier to persuade people, should we say, in in our sector than some. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and um, yeah, and I think that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Is to kind of overcome that that mindset that we've got for, um, you know, being part of the um, the the tribe and and um, you know, wearing and using things that that make us part of that that group. So in, in coming coming back to um, 
to IT. Um, what's happened to the market for refurbished IT during the pandemic and, and how do you see that evolving into the future? Well, you know, from a tech buyer standpoint, and I do feel almost you know guilty saying this, we you know the company's done well during during the pandemic. We've continued to grow, um, and that's because there's been more demand for for secondary equipment. Now, part of the demand, especially in March two thousand twenty, you know, was huge demand in laptops, and it was quite interesting. What actually happened was. I think everyone, uh, an awful lot of people wanted new laptops. However, the new laptops became unavailable very quickly because demand went through the roof. There was no supply. Right, okay, what do we do next? There's no new laptops. So then the secondary market um, became, you know, you know, was looked at by more and more people all of a sudden. So we saw a huge spike in March 2020 for um, laptops. Absolutely enormous. Uh, went absolutely through the roof. So... I think that then opened people's eyes. Oh, there's a secondary, you know, there's that education piece there all of a sudden that's forced upon them. Um, ah, we, we've just found out we, we, we can use refurbish instead. And then everyone sees that, ah, it's absolutely fine. And now I've turned it on. It's exactly the same as the new one. I was going to pull out the box. So the secondary piece was budgets were stretched. So as soon as budgets get stretched, as soon as ah, we, we had this amount of money for this project, but now we actually only have half, how can we still complete the project? And, you know, we've only got 60 or 50 or 70 percent of the, the, you know, the the funds. You know, you look to be a bit more creative. Again, it, it points towards the secondary market. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been um, tough, tough for a lot of industries and a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's just going to be one of those, um, you know, big shocks, isn't it? That forces forces changes that might have happened over a few decades anyway but forces them to happen more quickly um, and hopefully you know some of the because lots of companies will have suddenly experienced um, or, or you know become aware of the market for refurbished and remanufactured not just IT but other things um, hopefully that switched the radar on for different ways of working in the future and hopefully also the government's seen the potential for doing that as part of its industrial strategy, you know the, the whole thing about um, keeping things local. And once we've got the, the valuable materials here, whether that's in the form of um, existing equipment that can be reused and recycled um, or made into something else, then we we kind of need to need to keep that as an asset here instead of exporting the waste elsewhere and and having to re-import it as new kit. Yeah, I think with with us, you know, it's it's easy to say circular. Okay, it goes one way, it comes back, and it goes around. But within that, there's so there's so many you know individual pieces involved. Uh, it becomes hugely complex. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a really complicated network, isn't it? When you try and draw it out. So, Mick, who would you recommend as a future guest for the program? I think, especially when we're talking about circularity, our sustainability lead would be uh, the optimum person in my eyes. You know, Astrid Wynn, she sits on a lot of panels now. Um, you know, she's a great talker, certainly a lot better than me. Yeah, I think, she, I think she'd be cracking to, for people to listen to. You know, she, she's really on board with the circularity situation and, you know, she's, she's making some really big waves actually in, in the industry now and it's, you know, it's great to see. Thank you. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of the um, the things that Astrid's posting about on LinkedIn, and it looks like she's involved in all sorts of uh, research initiatives and you know uh, sector wide initiatives. So it'll be great to get her perspective 
on um, you know the the kind of uh, cross industry picture and some of the challenges around um, uh, tech and and kind of um, you know helping build. Uh, you mentioned the tool, didn't you? I think she was was she involved in the building the uh, Interact tool. I, I couldn't do her justice with how much she's actually involved in, so I will, you know, I will leave that to her to explain further. Okay, thanks, Mick. And how can people find out more and get in touch um, with you and the Tech Buyer team? Uh, the easiest way I, I would suggest would just be to give us a call. Um, you know, we, you know, I know we're just talking about the Harrogate office, but you know, we're also in France and Germany and America and Australia, and New Zealand, you know, everywhere. So. Um, nice and easy just give us a call or go to the website which is techbuy.com um you can email call we're, we're, we're all available someone's always there at the end of the phone great so I'll, I'll put that website address in the show notes um so people can find out more so a little bit that's at circulareconomypodcast.com and mick thanks very much for joining me this morning uh, well great thank you Catherine, for you know allowing me here and um you know i think if you could uh speak to Astrid I think that would be you know a cracking follow-up it would be really interesting yeah I'm looking forward to that thanks Mick brilliant thank you it's good to be reminded that we should think about the full cost of ownership including the purchase or leasing costs for the equipment and also the energy costs over its lifetime Mick and I use the analogy of used cars several times and the criteria are similar the initial cost warranty period the expected reliability and uptime, together with maintenance and other operating costs like fuel, spares and so on. I hadn't realised there's a standard for IT asset disposition, ITAD, and I can see how external standards help build trust and credibility across the pre-used IT market. We're all more aware of the need to keep our data secure, and that includes making sure it's securely removed from any IT equipment we no longer use. I was curious to learn about how the market was evolving and that tech buyers experience reinforces what we hear about the move towards procurement decisions based on a broader set of criteria, including sustainability, ecological footprint, carbon, social impact and local employment, as well as cost and performance. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one, or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. Circular.